0: Trash Cinema.
1: everybody, welcome to Trash Cinema. This episode we're going to be discussing a trilogy of Escape from New York ripoffs. And I am Michael, uh, I forgot my name for a second, Uh, my name is Michael and my (laughs) co-host is Curzy on the other side, I don't know what the hell that was. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that was weird. But, hey, what's going
1: on, man? I don't know. I think I had a, lot, a thought in my head, like, do I add more to what I said about the Escape from New York trilogy? And I was like, but should I introduce myself? And then somewhere the plane didn't take off and it just crashed right into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> um, yep. So this is a, I don't it's not really a genre, uh, but I have this predilection for Italian ripoffs of successful American films. I know that they're not good. I know that most of them are just meant to be like in grindhouses or direct-to-video. But there's something about the attitude and style of all of these Italian movies that I absolutely adore. Here's the weird thing, though, is I hate the zombie ones. I hate most of the horror Italian, which is what oh, everybody else— interesting. Everybody praises them. There's maybe a few. I like Argento and I like Bava. After that, it's real slim for me to care for. I don't know why. Hmm, interesting. But a lot of the sci-fi and action that they do have a lot of gore and horror elements into them. So, yeah, this is not this is a movie that gets wet with, with goo. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of a lot of brain, a lot of sinew, a lot of, a lot of gross stuff. Yeah, decapitations left and right. There's a lot of Mad Max ripoffs. I love too. And every time they would do a ramble ripoff, you know, they just bring out the M60 and just mow people down and just blood everywhere. And, and it's not just that; it's like the super machismo of all of it. Everybody has like oh, slag Brackwood and. Uh, you know, really just like tough guy. They never smile. They never hug. It's just like super uber man. The main
0: ca- the main character of two of these movies. His name is Trash. So <laughs> like it, how much how much more true to form can you get?
1: Yeah, a lot of people like to lump them in with the Mad Max ripoffs, and I say no. They are not. They are clearly Escape from New York has. <sighs> I don't, I don't believe Escape from New York is even influenced by bad Max. It's just a common train of thought. When things are falling apart, especially the way they were in the 70s with the Depression, the fear of nuclear war with Russia, you know, and, and uh, you know, the oil scare and stuff like that, hostage crises and stuff like that, and New York was turning to shit. I think people just kind of saw that idea coming that if we keep going this direction, we're going to have a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Because Mad Max and Escape New York have two different approaches to uh, attempting like this post-survival kind of let's use whatever resources we have around us and everybody's kind of a villain world.
0: Mm. Well, there is, the, the, um, there is some similarities between at least the first Mad Max with Mel Gibson, whereas um, that movie is kind of about the fall of mankind, but they're like rigid state control through extreme police measures. Um, But it's like after that movie, it's kind of just, you know, chaos
1: unleashed. Yeah. So they lump in. These are the three movies we're going to discuss. We're going to discuss 2019 After the Fall of New York, uh, 1990 The Bronx Warriors, and Escape from the Bronx. And those clearly are much more influenced by Escape from New York. Definitely.
0: Uh, I would say that After the Fall of New York has at least a little bit of... um, uh mad max in there i mean it does have you know a car chase and fight scenes so, yeah,
1: you know what's funny a is, little I,
0: a little similar
1: i was gonna do these back in february but things just got in the way so i wasn't able to i forgot i i, I watched it and then i did a, a quick catch up like one of those okay i cheated i watched a follow-up video on youtube where the guy discusses uh, 24 and i was like oh yeah that's right there is a car chase in the very beginning before he gets hired until I totally forgot that mm-hmm. um so yeah. tw- 2019 actually has a plot kind of similar to Children of Men, which is interesting.
0: Yes, that was, I. I that's the one that surprised me the most, because, like, throughout the movie, I would just be like, oh, that's a, you know, that's a ripoff, or, or, you know, it's clear that there's inspiration from this movie and that movie, and then the the whole, uh, the, you know, like, there's only one person alive that is able to give birth, and I was like, whoa, wait a second, did they just pioneer Children of Men? Yeah,
1: because it's before the book. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, right. it's basically uh, – it, it takes the Escape from New York idea where we got this lone warrior who is kind of just on his own. He, he, he's an expert at what he does, and they send him into New York to find this woman who's able to get pregnant. And he builds his little team and, uh, of rogues, and you're never sure if they're on his side or they're going to turn on him. And they have to get into in New York, uh, face off all sorts of crazy mutants and stuff like that uh, to find this girl encased in, in, in a, a safety, what do you call it, a capsule to keep her from being yes, affected. Yes,
0: kind of incubation chamber.
1: Right, to keep her from being affected by all of the radiation, which has turned, like I said, into mutants. There's an ape man, for fuck's sake. <laughs> George Eastman yeah. is a giant ape man. And if you know anything about Italian trash cinema, George Eastman is a king of this genre.
0: Hmm. Yeah, so that that's the basic plot, but there's also there's so much going on in this movie that it really could benefit from having a sequel to sort of explore the lore because there's also interesting things like you have death tokens where you can legally kill people if you like drop a token on them or something. Let's them know that it's legally sanctioned for some reason. Yes. Um, and then there's um, oh, what else? Uh, oh yeah, like there's a lot of there's uh, robots too, which
1: I'm not sure where they come from. That I first fucking robot is so annoying. There's a voice that they use in a lot of Italian cinema during the early 80s to make it sound like a robot. And you know when he yeah. when he wins a contest and she's like, you win long life and happiness. You win long life and happiness. She says like six more times. And by the time you get to part like five, you're like, yeah. can I climb into the screen and destroy that robot, please?
0: <laughs> the robot was kind of cool. It was really creepy as hell. But yeah, the voice was a little annoying. But, there, I mean, there are some pretty pretty good special effects. Well, you're not, not not good in the sense like, oh, they hold up really well, but just like for the movie, you yeah. can tell it was just made really cheaply. It looks pretty
1: good. But, yeah, I was going to say, most Italian movies, I, in my head, I thought, oh, yeah, a lot of these are around a million dollars. And then you look at it, you're like, oh, my God, most of these movies were under 500000 easily. And it right, does yeah. seem like there was a peak period between like 80 – one to five, where they spent a little more money. So you're talking like two to three million. I believe I looked it up that uh, uh, 2019 cost $1.8 million, which is kind of high end. I think there's only a couple other Italian ripoffs that are more expensive. And it has to be from the fact that they actually shot in New York, which I was surprised by. Really? Wow. Yeah, that, that's impressive. Yeah, because most of them would shoot on sound stages or pretend to be New York, you know, just shooting like some crappy cities in Italy. But the problem with a lot of that is New York is quintessentially New York. I have even seen them try to do Toronto and make it look like New York. and You're like, nope, you fucked that up. It's way too clean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is funny because Escape from New York is actually shot in St. Louis, and I, I couldn't tell you the difference.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, they did a really good job with how shitty they made everything look. Yeah. Except for the, 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 the gladiator fight. I believe that was like at a train station. I, I, I don't know. I'd have to watch it again, but I think there is like a sign for St. Louis. Yeah, there's a big
1: sequence there. Um, so, so this movie, uh, Michael Sipkow was a model, and this is the way they would get a lot of actors for these Italian films. Either you chose a good-looking, uh, like model type, or a stuntman, or you would choose a guy whose career had just a brief moment of success in America. And then you would bring him over and sign him to, like, a six-picture deal and watch his career go down the tubes. And Michael Sipkow is not mm-hmm. an actor. He has a look. I don't think he has the skills. Uh, he would do two other movies. No. One is fucking quintessential vigilante uh, meets deliverance called uh, Blast Fighter. Fucking great title. Great poster. <laughs> Blast Fighter. <laughs> Coming to the gen- genesis. <laughs> Jesus. It, um. Oh, who else is it? Oh, Fred Williamson is also one of those guys who was really big in black exploitation films in the '70s, and he made a big chunk of his career on these Italian. He's in like I think two of the three movies that we watched.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, because they re- use a lot of the same characters, I think from yeah. the um, from the first one, yeah.
1: So 2019 is not connected to the other two, but it just has that kind of style. But I think there's like. I think more challenge in the plot because there's a whole other like there's a sub conspiracy with the guy who hires the hero to go in and, and there's like you know we had to escape from this place and there's this whole other team and you think you know uh, these guys are good and and you're right it does feel like there needs to be either a longer movie or a, a second part to explain not the, the New York mutant world but I want to see more about you know the guys on the outside the ones who hired him
0: yeah because they they're also like, one of the people that was in his crew was a, a, a robot, which they basically explained away his superior strength by saying, oh, he's the strongest man alive. And, like, I guess that wasn't fishy at all when he didn't, <laughs> like, move things that are clearly a human can't do.
1: Yeah. I, I, and, and they always seem to have, like, this awkward thing in the 80s with, like, uh, little people. Back then, of course, mm-hmm. they call it, we called them midgets. We didn't know any better. Um, yeah. Or even worse, munchkins. God, there used to be a line of donuts at Dunkin' Donuts called munchkins. And it just showed little people on them. And I can't fucking believe oh, we did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's a scene where they capture him. And they're like, you can't interrogate me. I'll kill. You know, just like he rams himself into like a giant blade that's sticking out and impales himself. And it's like, you know, you could have just not said anything. Just shut your mouth <laughs> instead of killing yourself. Or you're at, you're at a decent level where you can just grab by the scroat and pull and then run. Right. And it's like, well, that was instantly zero to sixty suicide.
0: Okay, so in this movie, I can't remember if it was this one or the other one, but I'm pretty sure it was this one that had the. Like a police force with crossbows that make sci fi sound effects?
1: Yes, oh God, the best sound. I love that sound effect. I
0: love that sound effect.
1: (laughs) They always had like. I want that as
0: a ringtone. It's it's excellent.
1: They had that, and whenever there was a laser blast, it had a very particular sound. But like I said, even that robot, whenever the robot would talk, they used that again in a movie called Warrior of the Lost World. Where uh, he is in the future with a... It's a post-apocalyptic wasteland, but for some reason he has a motorcycle with a robotic interface that talks to him in that voice. I'm like, okay, that's weird. And you have gas? Why is it so many post-apocalyptic movies they have so much gas? It seems like Mad Max is the only one that treated it right. Like in Waterworld, everybody has a ton of cigarettes. How? (laughs) How are your guns working? I
0: don't know. Yeah, um did Max really explain it though I feel like no they, no no, no. but when have, it comes like, to it,
1: no when it comes to how they survive how they have to use like the bare oh, bones okay, like yeah. he has bullets but not all of them work so it's more of a th- visual threat when a car crashes he has to collect as much gasoline he can from that vehicle and put it in his own Stuff totally not like that about using That's the resources great. around you but a lot of these movies they're just like we don't give a fuck we're just we're gonna go in with guns blazed and not even like conserve any rounds we have laser weapons for some reason how you can't even survive here <laughs>
0: Yeah, Walking Dead started going that direction too when they would kill people and just leave the guns and bodies. Like what, yeah. the, what the fuck, man! Like <laughs> you've been out in the open for months, you need
1: supplies. <laughs> now the next two movies are a kind of different. Now this is uh, close in the fact that they're they're cutting off New York not because of a plague, but because it's become a complete wasteland of crime. So they've just basically shut down. They're they're not cut off like you can come and go in the Bronx, but the government has abandoned it. You are on your own. So it's basically a police force of these bikers that are keeping it, but they're also competing with other gangs. And uh, so there is society on the outside. So when they have all these supplies and guns and vehicles and stuff like that, it makes a lot more sense.
0: It's basically the Warriors without a police presence.
1: Yeah, especially the first one. The Bronx Warriors is yeah. Escape New York meets the Warriors because they have all those crazy gangs. This one, I think, has the most style. When, especially in the opening oh, with, with how beautiful. They have that, that fog filter over it, and kind of gives you a glow. You know, a lot of movies in the late 70s, early 80s had this glow to it. I love, like, the fog has the perfect fog filter over it mm-hmm. to make things, like, seem dreamlike, I guess, if you want to call it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a lot of style. And this one has trash. Uh, Mark Gregory was a he wasn't even an actor he wasn't a model he was anything the director just happened to see him at a club and thought he was striking and uh cast in the movie with no skills whatsoever and you can see he's really struggling in this first movie with two things first off apparently he was very flamboyantly gay so when you watch him walk he is trying as hard as possible to walk real manly oh and my it looks God, yeah, it's so goofy. obvious now did you? Okay, it was so, so obvious. It right. does like, not walk that way. Yeah. <laughs> and two, he just didn't know how to act. So a lot of his dialogue isn't there. The sequel, he talks a lot more and it's a little bit better, but he's still a, a god-awful actor. But I've seen every single one of his movies, and I'm in fact going to do a sequel. Well,
0: he's only made three, so like...
1: Yeah. It, well, I mean, there's a... So, oh. I'm going to do a sequel to this episode because he had another franchise called Thunder Warrior which is a Native American meets Rambo against the man kind of. I, it, was, it was very successful in video, and he did a couple like War Bus Commando. It's it's crazy.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I I will give him one thing. He he looks very eighties handsome. Yeah. with that hair, it, it, very conventional. You know, he's a handsome guy. A little, Tall be real as about hell, it. man. He looks yeah. huge. Oh yeah. So, Uh, and you know, he's got a, he's got a kind of a commanding presence when he's, when he's not talking, but yeah, you know, (laughs) Uh,
1: the overlying arc of the two movies is the fact that um, there's a major corporation paying the people of New York state to come in and basically say, look, we'll take the Bronx off your hands, but we're going to kick everybody out and turn to our own like beautiful, like, you know, they did this in Florida when they turned to the Scientology town, they just took a town, they tore it apart, kicked all the people out and built their utopia. Uh, Disney kind of does it's the kinda, same thing.
0: It's kind of like a prequel to RoboCop because, like, OCP
1: owned uh, Detroit. Right. And so this is kind of like before that, yeah. And I was just thinking, like, uh, in, in the late 70s, early 80s, New York was a, a, basically a wasteland. I mean, the, the Bronx was on fire in 77. It just went up in flames. And... Um, it was around, I think, 84 is when New York said, look, let's invest everything we can into saving this city, and they started the whole I Love New York campaign, and they Disney-fied it. All the grindhouses disappeared, you know, the parks were cleaned up, and it turned into a tourism mecca instead of the way it was in, mm-hmm. in you know, 40 years ago, and you kind of see the precursor of that in these movies, and... I think that's the best Italian movies is, yes, they're trashy, they're outrageous, they're gore-filled, they acting as atrocious, but there's like a weird commentary going on of what the world is like at that moment.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's a love for a city that was going away or that had been lost.
1: Yeah. Um, so in the first one, they hire this assassin by played by Vic Morrow, who plays it to the absolute hill i love it when he's starting to kill all the bad the, well they're in their vision the bad guys the bikers and he's just standing there like wow you're really going for it aren't you at the
0: end yeah when he's just like staring down that weird hole looking at everyone burning alive and he's just he's just laughing his ass off
1: yeah uh,
0: he-, he was okay like, the movie was okay until he entered, and he just elevated that whole thing yeah. tenfold with how crazy he was.
1: He was, I don't know if you, do you know anything about Vic Morrow at all? Uh, very little. Okay, so he is Jennifer Jason Lee's dad. I didn't know this until a few years okay. ago. But he was a TV actor. He did a TV show called Combat, which was critically acclaimed, but it didn't last very long because it just didn't get the ratings. People remembered it as he's a tough guy, so they start casting him in American films. I think his last like well-known American film was uh, Bad News Bears. After that, things got oh, harder. So, yeah. He started doing lots and lots of Italian rip-off movies. He was supposed to have a comeback in the Twilight Zone movie. He is in the segment where John Landis directed him. Have you seen Twilight Zone, the movie? Yeah. Okay, do you remember the sequence where he's the bigot, and all of a sudden he's forced into a world where he has to be Different races and, and see what it's like from their point of view. Oh, it's been a while. I don't remember that. Okay. One. Well, there's a sequence when he's grabbing a child and trying to get him out of the waterway from a helicopter. Problem is, during filming, I guess yep. they didn't cut it in time and they got too close. The helicopter flipped down, the blades crashed, and killed Vic Morrow and that child.
0: Yep. Yep, and that's that's a really sinister, dark uh, ending to his career and to that movie because now it's forever associated. Because once you know that, you can never watch that movie the same
1: way. Yeah, and I think he did this just before Twilight Zone, and everybody was saying, I guess that you know this was going to be his comeback, and it just didn't happen. Um, also in this, uh, we have Fred Williamson uh, again and George Eastman again uh, in kind of a similar, like, oh, they're in rival gangs. They're trying to team up to battle, you know, the the corporation. So the two movies are very similar, I think, but one has just a lot more mutants. <laughs> we, right. And
0: uh, was it Fred Willard was his name? Fred Williamson. Fred Williamson, okay. Yeah, Fred Williamson kind of playing sort of the. Like the opening to the Warriors where that guy is trying to unite everybody. he's kind of that character. He's more just like the arms dealer, basically. Yeah. So he
1: is relations
0: with every gang.
1: The two things I don't like about him is that he, uh, apparently he never loses, and he never drops that cigar. Like he kind of loses in this one, but ah. it's because he decided to lose. He just sits down in that chair, lights a cigar, and goes up in flames because his wife is de- or his lady is dead. Right.
0: Uh, uh yeah oh yeah the the lady the the BDSM gal with the whip yeah yeah what the fuck <laughs> it's a it's a weird movie it's 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 cool because it has all these different types of gangs there's like the um uh, a mime gang yeah or they're kind of <laughs> like Clockwork Orange style right where they tap dance that's pretty cool <laughs> to be honest and then you have the one that's like the hockey street yeah gang. I saying, there's like I a lacrosse
1: team like, or something in there I remember.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, it's a, it's a lot of fun. The, so basically the plot is that, I can't believe we've gone this long, we haven't even talked about the plot. Well, no, we so kind of did. Plot, yeah. yeah, a little, little bit. So essentially what happens is that uh, the daughter of the, of the head of this company that's trying to buy the city uh, goes into New York and she's found by our main characters who are kind of like the, the good gang, I guess, if we want to call them that. They're kind of, they're like pseudo police. They you know they they respect the territories and they don't really fight too much. I guess. Yeah. Um, they're a more docile group. Um, but anyway, she kind of runs into them and they sort of you know take her on as uh, you know to protect I guess. And then they find out later on who she is and she's basically explaining that you know once you know that the company buys this area, they're basically gonna just kill everybody or force them out. So uh, she doesn't want any part of that because when she inherits it, she doesn't really want to inherit all of this, you know, uh, hurting people. And so that's why she ran away.
1: Yeah. And, and if I remember correctly, they're decided that they're going to kill her. that She's no longer worth pursuing. They just kill her and have it move over to someone else in the corporation so they can take over.
0: Right. And so that, yeah, they send out the, the crazy guy to go kill everybody uh, to find her I think the, the initial idea was to take her out of the Bronx and then I think they eventually
1: decided to kill her yeah do you like the weirdness they throw into a lot of these Italian films there's, there's a, a style and an attitude oh, that's I completely quirky and um, off kilter yeah I love that and uh, I, I, I just I don't know if this is something like I think I think these movies are kind of known by the fans I think it's more the straight up action ones that have been forgotten um, so I feel like, I feel like throughout this next, uh, season, I, I should get you some more Italian, uh, crazy films. And at some point I got to do some of like Argento's eighties movies because I, I always find those fascinating, like phenomenon and stuff like that.
0: Uh, is that the one, is, is that the one with, um,
1: Donald Pleasance, uh, and uh, Jennifer Connolly. Oh, okay. Sometimes called, I think, creepers, um, I think. Okay,
0: yeah, because Phenomenon
1: isn't that the John Travolta movie, that's the same title? What, oh, yeah, there is a John Travolta. No, I think it's called. That's called Phenomenon. This one's called Phenomena. Every time I say Phenomena, I always think of the Muppets one. Phenomenon. So our third movie is Escape from the Bronx. Most people know this because it was on season seven of Mystery Science Theater 3000. It's the first time that I saw it. I had a channel when I was a kid that wasn't associated with a network yet. And they used to air all sorts of crazy, shitty Italian movies. That's part of the why I have such a predilection for these. And uh, if it wasn't that, it was Charles Bronson and Chuck Norris kind of stuff. But I never got to experience any of these. Um, so Mystery Science Theater, I didn't even know there was a. It was a sequel, and I was just like absolutely fascinated. Now, not until last week did I see the original cut. I'd only ever seen the Mystery Science Theater mm-hmm. 3000 version, and everybody knows that they cut out all the R-rated stuff. They trim it down so they can fit the host segments, and I didn't realize they had cut a half hour out of this movie, and what they cut out is actually wow. really entertaining. Lots and I mean, this thing it does not let go of the action. I don't think it's anywhere nearly as high budget as the previous film. It's not as stylish, and it doesn't have oh, as many, like, no. kind of, like, gadgets and gizmos and stuff like that, but it is just balls to the wall, just, okay, everybody's going to shoot everybody, and we're going to spend a half hour doing this.
0: Yeah, I mean to be honest, I got pretty fatigued after watching it for a while because it's you know like it, at some point it's just actors pointing fake obviously fake weapons at each other and falling over. Yeah. You uh, know it, it, it's fine up to a point,
1: but it kind it kind of uh, dragged on a bit for me. The uh, the sequel jumps right in. You don't they don't waste any time. The battle is still going. Oh, no, They're yeah. still trying to take over. Trash is the hero, you know, trying to save the day. And they introduced some new... I really liked the dad who couldn't talk and his little kid who was like the bomb expert. I was like, that's a really weird choice yeah. to make. Yeah, well, uh, wait, he
0: was... Uh, what well, was the short round? The kid from Indiana Jones. It kind of reminded me of
1: that. It does, yeah. Um, I was trying to think. Uh, Antonio Sabato is in this as well. I'm going to look this up real quick because he has a really funny name. And even in all of this... Uh, Craziness! He's so happy. He's like, life is so great. Let's go kill things. Blow him up. <laughs> um, I'm gonna get this here. Yeah, it's a really goofball name. Uh, uh, the blonde. The blonde. I was like, is that is that a meat? Is that some sort of meatloaf? Dablon. <laughs> <The> <laughs> um. And Henry Silva is the villain. He's one of those guys who was just like uh, a former kind of American actor who kind of fell on hard times and started doing a lot of Italian films. And immediately after this is when he started doing American movies. Again, he's in the first Steven Seagal movie, Above to Kill. He's the one who goes, uh, Do you know what a Colombian necktie is? And he's like, No, it's when I slice your throat open, I reach in, I pull your tongue out through it (laughs) like a tie. Fucked up.
0: If, who is the okay? So who is the actor that looks so much like Lee Van Cleef? Like it was driving me crazy.
1: Oh, okay, hold on. He is the brother's director. I'm uh, sorry, the you? director's brother. Did I just say that backwards? Brother brother, That's yeah. weird. You said uh, that
0: completely backwards.
1: Sorry, yeah. Enzo Castellari, one of the few directors who did not change his name. There's a lot of guys who, when they would do American movies, would have to cherry, uh, change their name to like Larry Ludman and stuff like that. But Enzo Castellari, he was fortunate that he got to keep his name for the most part. Um, Damn it, he's the boss. And he's the bad guy in Warlords of the Wasteland, a.k.a. the New Barbarians. And, uh, oh, fuck me up the river. I'll find it later. Um, Wow, Enzo's still alive. He's 80 years old. He hasn't done a movie in a while, I imagine. But he was like, if you see his name behind one of the films you're going to watch and it's Italian oh my god, you're in for some fun because it's always something crazy. There's one called Light Blast with Erica Strata, where these guys create a gun that doesn't shoot you so much as melt you instantaneously.
0: <laughs> Is that the one where, like, after using it for a period of time, it started,
1: like, to turn you into a monster? Uh, no, that's Laser Blast. I, I can Laser see why you get confused. Yeah, Light Blast. <laughs> it, you, know, you know the effect at the end of uh, Raiders Lost Ark when they look into the Ark of Covenant and they all just like... Oh, yeah, of course. It's that. That effect 90 times in one movie, and it's just glorious and how ridiculous it is. <laughs> that sounds like a great movie to me. Oh, God. It, I, I got to find it for you because uh, there was a couple movies that Eric Estrada did after he got done with Chips, and they're both mm. insane. They're so awful. I'm really trying to find it here. Not George Eastman. Oh, well. Uh, but you're right. He does look like Lee Van Cleef, who also did a shit ton of Italian movies. Well, oh, yeah.
0: So what's the basic plot of the second one? I, I got lost after a while okay. cause, you
1: because know, there's this so one
0: much
1: shooting. This one doesn't have anywhere nearly as much plot. There's no backstabbing. There's no uh, you know secret. Basically, uh, you have this reporter who looks like an escaped demon um, with a wig. Uh, she knows what's going on in the Bronx. They're lying to you know the news. She was the share
0: look-alike, right? Like the really kind of Cher if
1: look-alike. she had some sort of withering disease. Um, yeah, that's so mean of me. I'm sorry. Uh, but she knows what's going on in the Bronx. Is she's trying to tell them that they're lying and expose them in the in the news, whatever. They want to shut her up, and she goes into the Bronx, and she's you know right smack dab in the middle of this war, and uh, basically they're trying to get her out with proof of what's going on, and so they send in Henry Silva and his team. Now, the, the, the team that they send in the second movie is uh, – just I, is, are there a million of them? Because it seems like it's a thousand guys in white suits with blowtorches. and every time you think you've murdered all of them, a thousand more show up. And I'm almost certain that the movie's so cheap that it's the same five guys over and over and over. I yeah, I had no doubt in my mind it was the
0: same people. Um, it's very uh, executioner style. Yeah. The, uh, the the there's one scene in particular where trash uh, takes a blowtorch to them. Uh, Those very much reminded me of execution.
1: Still trying to find this guy. I can't get that name. Fuck it. Um, So of the three, which do you think you prefer? Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, after the fall of New York probably is the best. Followed very closely by uh, Bronx Warriors.
1: I love the miniatures in it uh, in, in 2019 because I thought, yes, you can tell they're miniatures, but they're really well done. I've seen some ridiculously awful miniatures during this time period. It's not hard to find, yeah. Yeah, uh, in the or uh, Bronx Warrior, that one has the most style and I think the craziest character setups. But the third one, if you just want nonstop action, and you're right, it does start to become a little bit like white noise. But that one mm-hmm. does not skimp on action at all. So each one has their own. Mood. No, I,
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, you know, I, I probably would watch the second one again if the mood should strike me. But I would probably watch the other two. Uh, before
1: that watch Escape from the Bronx the Mystery Science Theater 3000 version it's it's really really funny so I guess that's it Um, I don't know what we're going to do for the next episode anything you got in mind because it's your turn I think
0: yeah, that's true. I have to think about it. I don't have anything offhand
1: that I could that I could pull out right now. Yeah, I, to, I told you about a horror movie called Wild Beasts, and we're like, this sounds like an awesome yes. idea. And then halfway through, I was like, oh, sweet Jesus, don't watch this. They're actually <laughs> – uh, whoever made that, movie should be arrested for abuse of animals. Yeah, well, how long ago was it made? Oh, 84, I think. Yeah, statue
0: limitations up on yeah, that.
1: I guess. Guess. it was goretastic. I'll tell you that. It's a crazy story. Um, since we're never discussing it, I'll say it real quick. Uh, LSD uh, gets into the water supply at a zoo, and all the animals go insane and then murder and get <laughs> loose. And uh, well, again, another New York story where everybody gets mutilated. I wonder
0: what. I wonder why there's so many of those.
1: I don't know, cause New York was. I guess a lot of people view New York as, like, the quintessential American city for a long time before it became, like, Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And to watch it deteriorate and become, like, a nightmare was appealing, uh, ironically. Mm-hmm. So that's all I can think of. Hmm. Yeah, I guess. it. I don't know. It was metropolitan. Rare. The city never sleeps. It's because they're all in terror. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we don't know what we're going to do next, but uh, we'll be back. Someday. It takes us a while to get these episodes done, people. Don't you brush us. (laughs) Don't you pressure me, buddy. This is free. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right, send us out. All right, stay trashy. Good night, everybody.